Well, come on, let's get into uh, the Word of God. I'm just really excited about the Word today. I'm glad that you all are here. I am uh, pleasantly surprised to see the number of people. I figured with it being a holiday weekend and all that stuff that it would be much less, but you're here, and that means everything, and we're thrilled. We are in week two of a uh, three-week series entitled Fighting Fear, Fighting Fear, and uh, today's message is Unstoppable Courage unstoppable courage. Again, if you don't have a device to follow along, uh, you will be able to see projections that are behind us. And by the way, this is a little bit of a commercial. Hold right here for a moment. Uh, our machine out there is, does not seem to be working for those who give online or who give that way. And so if you want to give, you can go online and be able to give your tithes and your offerings today, however you want to do that. Okay, let's get back to this word. We are in week two of a three-week series entitled Fighting Fear. Today's message is unstoppable courage. Whatever makes the character and the personality of the person of who our God is, I want you to know that he is our God who is full of love, full of grace, full of mercy. The Bible makes clear to us that he is all-powerful. He's an all-knowing, and he's an ever-present God. And he is the great I Am, and he is the mighty conqueror. Come on, give me an amen to that. When you become born again, when you give your life to Jesus and you decide to follow after him, you begin to take on much of the character of God. And it's a continual process. You don't automatically become everything that God is. That will never happen to us. But there are things that will happen in our lives as we grow, as we mature in God. There are those things that are going to happen to us. We find here in, in the book of uh, Exodus chapter, chapter 15, verse 3, and it says these words, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. One of the amazing attributes and characteristics of our God <clears throat> that is resident within every man and every woman of God, it is resident within each and every one of us as men and women of God, is that same warrior spirit that God himself possesses. Just read to you in the book of Exodus that our God, he is a warrior. He is a warrior. He is, he is our God. And that same kind of presence of God, that warrior spirit, is inside every one of us who have received Christ as Lord and Savior. So to defeat fear in our lives, we must have unstoppable courage. Unstoppable courage. I want you to know that the path, I want you to think about this with me. I'm going to say this a few times this morning. The path to your greatest potential is often straight through your greatest fear. Think about it. Let me say it again. The path to your greatest potential is often straight through your greatest fear. I want to talk to you today about unstoppable courage. Unstoppable courage. I trust that this is going to encourage you and some good things are going to happen for you and I. Taking a couple of thoughts, not just for myself, but a little bit from Highlands Life Church and, uh, and also Gateway. So I'm giving them kudos and thank you for helping me with some of these things. But listen, I would like you to think about this for a moment. Just think about this. What is your greatest fear? What is your greatest fear? Now listen to me. None of us want to die. None of us want to die. We're not looking forward to the day that, we die, that, that we're going to die. But listen to me. If fear of death is your greatest fear, then you need to be born again. I, I, I don't know how else to say it to you. If death is your greatest fear, you need to be born again. In all seriousness, you need Jesus to become the Lord and leader of your life. And I'm dead serious about this. No pun intended. I am dead serious about this as well. Amen. 
So let me ask you again, what is your greatest fear? What is that thing that scares you or puts fear in you more than anything else? What is that? For some, it's the fear of failure. And you're so fearful of failure in your life, you don't even try anymore. Whatever that thing is, whatever it is that you should be doing, that you know you should be a part of, you don't do because you're fearful or afraid of failure. You don't even try it. And consequently now, you feel uh, insecure. For others, it may be the fear of conflict. Don't want to deal with any kind of pushback, any kind of confrontation. Don't want anybody to be mad at me and hate me for the rest of my life. So there's a fear of of, of, of uh, conflict. There's also the fear of rejection. I'll never be good enough. I'll never measure up no matter how hard I try. Some of us deal with this on a regular basis wherever we are. And quite honestly, this last point, the fear that we'll never measure up, that we'll never make it, whatever those things are, that probably is one of the greatest fears that the majority of us deal with. It may not be number one, but it could be number two, three, or four. Many of us deal with those kind of fears. Let me share with you quickly a part of my personal story. One of the greatest fears that, that I dealt with was going into full-time ministry. I was officially into full-time ministry in 1984, but of course I had been doing ministry for many years previous to that, but now it would be official with my credentialing and all that other good stuff. And one of my greatest fears was going into full-time ministry. I knew that God had called me into full-time ministry. I knew that he did that. But at this particular point, I work at a steel mill. For those of you in Syracuse, you know probably Crucible Steel, a specialty steel shop, the best specialty steel in all the world. But anyhow, um, <laughs> I, I worked at, at a steel mill, and honestly, I'm not bragging, it's just a fact. I was doing really good there. I was doing really well. I had just won a bid to be the assistant roller, which is like number two position in the entire mill that I was working in. It was like a number two position. The pay was excellent, and I really liked what I was doing. I mean, I, at times I didn't, of course, like all of us. But for the most part, I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I loved the men that I worked with, the men and women that I worked with. I really did a whole story with that I won't go into right now. And back in, uh, back in 1982, 83, I, I, I began to talk big talk. You know, I was doing Berean College. I was going through all of those things. I was able to devote myself to the steel mill as well as studies. I would work the midnight shift. And uh, if you get the work done, you can sleep or you can study, which is what I ended up doing. I got through most of my, my uh, uh, things that I had to do in order to be credentialed that way. And uh, so I was talking the big talk. I'm beginning to tell other people that I know, hey, I'm going into full-time ministry. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to pastor my own church, all this other stuff. I start talking about all of that. And months before I pulled the trigger to resign the steel mill and go into full-time ministry, all of a sudden fear overpowered me. I was filled with fear. I had the fear of failure in my life, that I, that I will never measure up. I will never be that kind of a pastor. I will never do what he can do. I will never be as influential as he is. And name the name the uh, the 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 possibilities. And for me, I was going through this thing. It will never happen to me. I will never be able to do it. And at times, going through that, I would be a failure. It was overwhelming to me. At times, it was just overwhelming. I would be filled with fear, even though I knew that God called me. Did you hear me? I knew, I knew that God called me. But still, I'm dealing with this fear. I was extremely intimidated. 
feeling insecure. Another piece of the transition to full-time ministry was my income to ministry was less than one-third. More like one-quarter, but one-third of what I was making in the steel mill. So I was going from sixty-five to 70000 easily a year, and I was going down to 18000 with a family of six. And I'm saying to myself, what the heck are you doing, man? Actually, it wasn't Randy saying that. You know who it was. You name the situations, you name, you name the particular opportunities, whatever it may be, and the enemy was working on me big time. I was absolutely convinced for a while that I am making the biggest mistake of my life, and, uh, and I felt so insecure, it was a huge risk. Actually, I was quitting a job that I was really good at and I really enjoyed and going into something that I really had no real experience going into. And I was scared. I was fearful. And listen, we have to understand that the path to our greatest potential is often straight through our greatest fear. It's often straight through our greatest fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says these words, For God has uh, not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. The fear that we deal with in these moments does not come to God. What I was going through in that particular time of my life, that wasn't God giving me a warning. That wasn't God trying to talk me out of doing what he called me to do. He doesn't change his mind. He continues to move us forward. But our spiritual enemy is, is doing all that he can to get us, to get you and me far from God's plan for our lives. He will constantly beat the drum. This is not going to work. You'll never measure up. He will constantly beat the drum telling us that, that uh, this is not, not going to happen for you. You're the wrong person. You're making the biggest mistake of your life. You're going to really blow it and blow it bad. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus is talking to a, a group of Pharisees, hypocrites, who is exactly who they were. And Jesus says in John 8, 44, he says, he says these words, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out the father's desires. Now, Jesus talks about the devil. The devil, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, his native language, for uh, he is a liar and he is the father of lies. He is the father of lies. This is what Jesus tells us about the enemy. How many of you have heard the song by Zach Williams, uh, The Fear He Is a Liar? How many have heard that song? It's an incredible song right now. I'm thinking about singing it to you, but you'd all run out of the building, so I won't. But let me quickly just give you a couple of the lyrics. This is talking about the devil and how he lies to us. And I wonder if this could be anything that he has said to you. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you that you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you that you're not loved, when he told you that you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough. How many of you have heard that? How many of you believe that? The lie that comes from hell. Fear is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire. Because fear is a liar. I, this one really gets me. When he told you you were troubled, that you're, you're forever, you'll forever be alone. When he told you that you should run away, you'll never find a home. When he told you that you were dirty and you should be ashamed. When he told you that you could be the one that grace could never change. He's a liar. 
He's a liar. Come on, give me an amen to that. He is a liar, is what we see within the Word of God. Again, I say to you, the greatest, the, the, the path to, the greatest, to your greatest potential is often in our greatest fear. I believe that God wants to give you unstoppable courage. Unstoppable courage. Six weeks ago when I began this series, we talked about in 2 Samuel chapter 23. I want to go back there again. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to that 2 Samuel 23, I want to take a look again one more time at this guy by the name of Benaiah. I want to talk about him just for a moment this morning. He is a guy in the Bible that if, you're, if you were not paying close attention as you're reading through uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter uh, 23, you would go right by him. You wouldn't even know that this verse was in there. He's a guy that's in the Bible that, that uh, has done amazing things. And again, his name is Benaiah. Let me give you some facts about Benaiah. Benaiah, he's the one who, he is the one who is the top five soldiers in the army of Israel. He is the one who is his King David's mighty men. And if you think about this for a moment, if you think about this, imagine being one of the top five of all the soldiers in all of Israel. The top five. Dude. Wow. The, the top five. Um, with that thought, we're, we're talking about UFC. Hard-hitting strength. We're talking about courage and valor. And by the way, he was, he was also a general in the Israeli army as well. And that meant that every third month, Benaiah would have the full command, the full command over 24,000 troops. And as you can see, Benaiah, Benaiah, a leader. He was a leader. He was definitely feared. He was called to protect the country. And he was also the captain of David's um, bodyguards. So here we are. We're talking about this guy who was feared and revered. He was the best of the best. He was brave and courageous in every single way. In every single way. Go with me to, to 2 Samuel chapter 23. We'll pick up at verse 20. And it says, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, uh, performed great exploits. He struck down, listen to this, he struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors, warriors and he also, uh, he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and he killed the lion. I love verse 21. Listen to this. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with just a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with his own spear. Now that's just cocky. I don't care what anybody thinks, that's just cocky. I mean, that is really bodacious in my book. I don't even know what bodacious means, but I say it often. That's courageous. That is courageous. And as I was reading those verses, we went past that one verse that is so easily to just fly right by and not really even read it. And it says in verse 20, he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and he killed a lion. He went down into a, into a pit on a snowy day and he killed a lion. Yes, this unstoppable, courageous warrior went down into a pit on purpose going after a lion. It doesn't say that Benaiah had been attacked by this, this lion. It doesn't say that he was protecting a three-year-old little girl from this lion. No, Benaiah went down into the pit on a snowy day after the lion. That is crazy courage. That is beyond my imagination. Mark Batterson, who wrote the book, who wrote the book in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, Mark Batterson says these words, people with real faith Chase lions. 
People with real faith will chase lions. And I like that. You see, our spiritual enemy, Satan, the Bible tells us he roars like a lion. He roars like a lion. The enemy, the devil of hell, he roars like a lion, but he's not the lion. You need to understand there's only one true lion who is the lion of the tribe of Judah who has triumphed over sin, death, and the grave. And his name is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he alone is worthy of all praise. Let's give it to him. You are the living God, and we love you, Lord. People with unstoppable courage chase after lions, the lions in their own life. They do not let their fears stop them from doing whatever it is that God calls them to do. It's not going to stop them. But for normal people, it's not like that. Normal people don't do that. Normal people do not chase after lions. Normal people rarely live by faith. Normal people have excuses for why they can't do something. Normal people rarely ever face their fears. Normal people typically live with regrets because normal people... Faithless people are not lion chasers. And here's, here's what I'd like to, to ask you uh, to be thinking about as we're dealing with greatest fears right now. Your greatest fear. Whatever it is in your mind that you're thinking right now, this is one thing that, that I just, I am filled with fear over. Whatever that may be. Let me ask you these questions, questions quickly. How do those fears impact your daily living? What is the lion that's in your life that you need to chase after? What is that thing that you need to defeat? What is it that God is calling you to do to push you through your greatest fear? To push you through your greatest fear so that you can do God's assignment and live in such a way that you're making a difference. You're making a difference in the lives of others and and bringing an even greater glory to God than what you have ever done before because of what you are now doing. Actually, what I'm asking you is this. What is it that God is calling you to do that you're not willing to do? Because you're afraid. Because you're listening to the lies. And you have fear. What is it that God has called you to do that you're not doing? I want to challenge you with some thoughts. Let me be quick with this. Let me quickly say to you, some of you, some of you right now, I believe that you need, you need to be leading a life group this coming fall. I don't know who you are. I don't know how long you've been attending here. You do need to become a member. We're making that available to you here real soon. But the fact of the matter is, I believe that there are those of you who are here, you need to be leading a life group. That is such a perfect opportunity to really see lives change. Two ways. Number one, by building relationships with other people. And number two, by being a part of a life group. Being connected with other people in a life group. But you deal with fear even considering that. You are fearful to lead a life group. You're faith fearful to be a part of that kind of ministry because you're believing a lie. You're believing the enemy is a deceiver and he's causing you to be filled with fear. And you personally are missing out. And those who would be a part of your life group, they're missing out too because you're not willing to do it. And you're not willing to do it because mostly you're fear. You're, you're filled with fear. Let me talk to you about another thought. Others of you, you need to step up and start serving here at Word of Life. You need to step up and start serving here at Word of Life. Many here have had um, personality profile done. Many of us here have gone through spiritual gifting analysis. And today, even though you know what your giftings are, even though you know what God has given you and the passions that you have inside of you, many of you are not serving. There's a reason for it. I don't know what it is. But I feel what God is saying to us is that there's a fear that's holding us back 
And so I challenge you with the thought that you would begin to use those gifts that God has given you. And uh, your fear of the lion, it can easily be remedied. You have a greater God than that silly little lion. Another thought that I have is that some of you have this business venture stirring a business venture stirring inside of you that actually I believe God has given you. I want to speak prophetically over that person or people who are, who are considering this. And that is, is that I just sense today that you have great favor with God. That he's given you an idea. He's given you an opportunity to be able to have greater influence in the lives of others. And so consequently, he's given you favor. And with that favor, there are others who believe in you as well, that would want to contribute, that would want to be a part of what it is that God is laying on your heart. And I get it. I know that this is a step of faith. But I challenge you, jump into the pit and chase that lion out. Defeat that lion, whoever it may be. It says in Romans 8.31, not in your notes, it says, if God is for you, who can be against you? And if you believe that, give me an amen. amen. Another thought that I have for you is that some of you have addictions. And those addictions are getting the best of you. You need, sir, ma'am, you need to face those fears and go public. You need to face those fears and go public. Yes, I really am dealing with, with addictions. And let me tell you where you should do that, where you should say that. For your information, every Tuesday night at 6.30, we have CR here, which is Celebrate, Celebrate Recovery. And uh, they get together every week, and uh, what they're doing, what God is doing with them and through them, it's an incredible thing. It's really exciting what God is doing. And they meet across the street. We call that the E Street building. Across the street, we've got a new sign on it. You won't miss it, but they meet there. Go to your bulletin, look up the times that uh, CR meets, and go public with this thing, deal with this. Another thought that I have is that some of you, this is a big one, some of you, God is tugging on your heart for people groups. God is tugging on your heart for nations. God is tugging on your heart for missions. The first of our three teams that are going to Puerto Rico, they got in late last evening, and uh, they had a, it, it, I was told this, it was a life-changing, exciting experience that we will never forget. It was an incredible uh, week that they were gone in Puerto Rico. You'll learn more about that. There are two more groups that are going to be going. There may even be an opening or two with those two groups to go. If you sense that you need to do this, sort of seal the deal. God is speaking to you, but yet you're fearful, but you're going to overcome that fear. Let me try to go to Puerto Rico. Let me check that out. Just maybe, just maybe God would want me to do something like that. That's one thing I'd like you to do. But listen, I want to also tell you about another great outreach that we have here at Word of Life. And that outreach is to our refugees. There were, are many refugees who have settled in central New York, and many of you know that we have a great outreach under the leadership of Andrea DeFelice. She does a great job. And listen, a lot of people have been helping, a lot of people. But listen, we need more help. The thing that we need more than anything right now are drivers. We need drivers. A year ago, I had mentioned just off the cuff, we need a van. And one of the families of the church ended up buying a brand new van, 2017 van, 15 passenger van for the church so we can get these refugees. It would give us three vans to be able to go and pick up our, our refugees. And uh, we typically only go with two, two vans because we don't have drivers. We don't have drivers. We need a bunch of drivers. So I'm challenging you as you're sensing that God is speaking to your heart. Maybe it just has to deal with the refugees here in central New York. What, whatever, wherever. But I'm asking you please to consider that. Another thought that I have. Some of you have an idea. You're sensing to go public with your idea, with that gadget, whatever it may be. Or maybe someone else is here who is pregnant with a book that needs to be written. 
God has just, something's going on inside of you that you know that either you've got to do this gadget or you need to be the one who's, who's going to write that book, whatever that may be. Another thought that I have is that some of you have been attending Word of Life long enough now that it's time. Come on, man, it's time. Young lady, it's time. However old or young you may be, uh, it, it's, it's time. It's time for you to give your life to Jesus. Allow him to become the Lord and leader of your life. Yes, that is going to require, a, a, in receiving Christ, that's going to require some faith. I understand that. But let me tell you something. When you do that, when you do that, you will be forever changed. I challenge you, give your life to Jesus. And if you want them to give their life to Jesus, would you give them a round of applause? Come on, let's encourage them. Do that. Do that. <clears throat> we here at Word of Life, everybody who comes here, we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose, and we want you to be making a difference in the lives of others. I want to show you two very important qualities of those who have unstoppable courage. This will be quick. Let me go through it. I want you to think about, as I'm going through these two points, I want you to think about in the light of what lion, what lion you need to chase down, and what God is calling you to do, that your fear has paralyzed you from doing what God has called you to do. I want you to think about this while I'm going through these two points. Point number one, people with unstoppable courage know that the bigger, that the bigger their God is, so let me say that again, people with unstoppable courage know that the bigger their God is, the smaller the lions will become. The bigger their God is, the smaller the lions become. The bigger their God is, the smaller the lion becomes. Really, the problem with so many believers is that you're always focusing on the lion. You're always thinking about the lion. You always think you hear the roar. And consequently, what you should be focused on is your God. What you should be focused on is not the lion. He's going to raise his ugly head. He's going to roar every now and then. But he's not the one leading you. It is the God of heaven who you are to be calling on. Remember, our God is an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God. He is your Father, and He loves you, and He has a plan for your life. It's like we constantly remind ourselves about the lion, about the fear. But the truth is, man is limited, and the enemy uses that against us. He whispers to us, there's no way that could ever happen. There's no way that God would bless you that way. He uses those things against us. But the Bible also says, but with God, all things are possible. So when you are sensing us something to do for the kingdom of God, when you're sensing that God is giving you this idea or to do this business or whatever it may be, you and I need to be uh, focused on God. We need to be believing that. Lion chasers are people with an unstoppable courage. They don't focus on the lions. They focus on their God. There was a guy by the name of Daniel in the Bible. He had to deal with some lions. Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, if you want to go there with me, beginning in verse 19. Daniel had a real scary experience with some lions. And uh, it, it was a setup from the very beginning uh, with some evil men that wanted to take Daniel out. And if he was to pray, then he would be thrown into a den of lions. And of course he did pray. And he was thrown into a den of lions. So let me pick it up here in verse 19 of this same chapter. And it says these words. At the first uh, light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came to the, uh, near to the, to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, and he said, 
May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. I find it to be a little bit interesting in these verses that we hear King Darius asking a question to Daniel. Has your God, whom you serve, delivered you? Now, actually, the question is this, coming from an unbeliever. The unbeliever here, which is King Darius, doesn't really believe in this God. He's talking about your God. Has your God delivered you from uh, what he is saying is, what can your God do? The question that Darius is asking, what can your God do? Listen to me. There are many, many people out there who say that they believe in God, but, but, like King Darius, when they think about God, it's actually somebody else's God. It's not their God. God to them is very impersonal. Uh, what can your God do? But listen, for that person, for that person, when it shifts from what can your God do to here is who my God is. Here's what my God can do. When it shifts from wondering what can your God do, who's not my God, what can your God do, when it shifts from that thought coming from a process, thinking thoughts like that to now where that person is able to say, let me tell you who my God is. Let me tell you what my God can do. Let me tell you that story. Everything then changes. So let me ask you a question. How big is your God? How big is he? Is he big enough in your mind, in your heart, with your faith? Is he big enough to shut the mouths of the lions? Because I want to tell you my God is. I don't know about your God, but I can tell you my God He's got the power to shut the mouths of the lions. Let me tell you a little bit more about my God. My God is the Alpha, and He is the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first, and He is the last. My God is ever-present, all-knowing, and all-powerful. With my God, all things are possible. All things are possible. My God, my God, He spoke the planets into being. He created at least 100 billion galaxies in the observable uh, universe. And I know that this is true because I even looked it up on Google and, uh, uh, and uh, Wikipedia, however you say it. They confirmed it. There are over 100 billion galaxies in, in our little universe here that we live in. And my God, he created every, little, every living thing on the planet. And he said, it is good. It is good. My God, he parted the Red Sea and let three million Jews walk over to the other side of the sea on dry ground. My God, my God opens the eyes of the blind and can heal the deaf and he raises uh, the dead to life. My God, he is, he is able. My God is so good that when mankind separated themselves from God because of sinfulness, my God is so full of love, so full of grace, that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus, born of a virgin, to live among us, a perfect and sinless life. And he shed his own innocent blood for our guilty sin. And he died on a cross. And my God raised him from the dead three days after he died. That's how good my God is. That's how good my God is. I don't know about your God. But that's my God. That's who I believe in. Let me tell you what God did for me. And my God, he saved me. My God, he saved me. Here I was. He took this foul mouth, 
teenage punk who was selfish and rebellious and put me in the center of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in a small little Roman Catholic church. And it would be there on that particular day, July 5th, 1971, that my whole life changed. Why? Because he forgave me of all my sin. He forgave me of all my sin, a wicked, vile sinner. He forgave me of all of my sin. And now today I am forever changed. I'm forever changed. And if you receive Jesus, you too can have that hope that you are forever changed because I am a new creation. The old man is gone. Behold, God has made all things new. I have a new heart. I have a new vision. I have a new passion. I have a new calling. When I'm overwhelmed, he's my peace. When I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm hurting, he's my comfort. When I'm lost, he's my way. His power is real. He is living inside of me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to dwell in you. God wants to dwell in you like he's dwelling in me and like many others in this church. If you would just open your heart to him and allow him to do that, he will give you a future and a hope. When you have that unstoppable courage, you don't look at the lions. You look at your God who says, with God, all things are possible. People with unstoppable courage, they know their God is bigger than lions. The second thing I want to say as I close is this. People with unstoppable fear, excuse me, people with unstoppable courage, they understand that playing it safe is risky. They understand that playing it safe is risky. Hebrews 11.6 says these words. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When you have to, un uh, what you have to understand with all of this is that the goal of faith is not the elimination of risk. You got to think about that for a moment. What you have to understand is that the goal of faith is not the elimination of risk. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a risk-free kind of faith. Too many believers, too many churches want to eliminate risk. Listen, when you are living by faith, the risk always increases. When you're taking a step of faith, as my friend took his step of faith um, and to be water baptized today, as he began to move toward that, that was a step of faith for him to do that, to move toward God. And God met him in a wonderful way. When, when you are living by faith, the risk increases and your man-made securities decrease. You need to understand that. The risk increases and our man-made security decreases. And that is exactly polar opposite of what many believers dream, dream for and, and have goals for. They believe that there should be no risk. I don't think there's anybody like this in Word of Life. It's all the other churches that they're like this. But too many believers, they want, they want it to be a risk-free kind of an adventure. Whatever it is that God wants you to do. And it's just never going to be that way. Those who have real faith, those who have real faith, when God has spoken to you, when God has said something to you, has shown you something, revealed himself to you, this is a time when you are able, at this time in your life, that you're able to see what it is that God has called you to do. You can feel it because you're going against what people would say to you. Unfortunately, people who love us will try to get us off track with what God says. But you have to keep your focus on God. You need to believe him at his word. And you need to stay plugged in with him. Trusting that God will do what he wants to do. And you would begin to follow him that way. I told you earlier in my little story that God called me into full-time ministry 
into ministry and I was filled with fear. I was fearful of being a failure of whatever it would be. Not, not just because of Marianne and my kids. Of course, that's most important to me. But God, failing God with what he would want. It was overwhelming for me at times. Yes, there was fear in my life. Yes, it is. It, it, it does increase the risk and, and decreases the man-made security that, that I had by the good pay I had at Crucible, the, the, all the good stuff that I talked about. There was a, a fear in all of that. But God wanted me to chase that lion down. And all I can say to you is, is that I am so grateful for the last 35 years of my life. That lion has been defeated. He's not been able to get me out of what it is that God told me to get myself into. And I believe God for that. <coughs> so just imagine, just imagine if you would. What if Moses said no to God? What if he said, no, I'm not going to lead the people of Israel out of slavery and into the promised land? Imagine with me, if you could, what if David said, uh, if, if David didn't ch chase that, that giant, my God, my God, imagine with me, what if Jesus, when he walked out of that garden, instead of going toward Calvary, that he walked the other way? I was on the path that he went on when I was in Israel twice, and there was a mountain, that wasn't a mountain, it was a hill, there was a hill that he could go over, and it would, no one would find him. He'd be into the forest where no one would find him. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, who was filled with courage, who was courageous, he boldly went to the cross for all of humankind. And he laid down his life. He shed his blood so that we would be forgiven. I believe that God is going to call some of you to increase your risk and de decrease your security. And live by faith. Live by faith. Over these next 6 to 12 months, I believe that God is going to be challenging you with this. Some of you, God has given you a vision. And you have all the reasons settled in your mind why this isn't going to work. You have all the reasons in your mind why you just can't do this. And you might as well walk away from that. And I want to tell you what I believe is at the top of the list that you're thinking this through. I believe that at the top of the list, you're going to be afraid. And you are afraid. You're afraid to hear that lion roar one more time as you move toward that thing. So for you, it's over. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. Benaiah, he too was afraid. Yes, he was. He was afraid when he faced that Egyptian warrior. Benaiah, he was afraid when he killed the two sons of Ariel of Moab. Uh, he was afraid when he chased that lion down into that, into that pit. Because that's the way it is. Every one of us deal with fear. We have those fear-filled moments in our life. And if that's you right now, and you're afraid and you're, un un uh, you're unsure with what to do, let me challenge you to do what Benaiah did. Do like Benaiah did. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Let me say it again. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, it's scary to do that. It's scary to walk away from a fairly good paying job and get into something that you're making nothing. Just about. It's scary. But feel the fear and do it anyway. Whatever those things are that God is calling you to do, whatever it is, and you're hearing a lion roar. You can see him pacing back and forth, ready to attack. You do it anyway. Whatever it is that you're sensing, whatever it is, you do it. You feel the fear and you do it anyway. Take that step of faith. Feel the fear and look at your God and hear him say to you. Hear God say to you, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Romans 8, 37. Hear him say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In 1 John 4, 4. 
Feel the fear and do it anyway. And look to your God who says, with God all things are possible. Listen, you may not be, be believing me with what I'm going to tell you right now, but let me be quick as I close. Just about every Sunday, and it happened today, just about every Sunday, as I get ready, as worship is continuing on, and we're about ready to, go, to close it off, and pretty soon I'm going to be up here, I have all kinds of insecurity that begin to infiltrate my life. I have all kinds of thoughts taking place. Are you going to make it through? I, all kinds of accusations, and I, I hope you understand. I'm not trying to make this to be bigger than it is, but ev just about every Sunday I preach. I have to deal with spiritual warfare. I have to deal with the lion. I have to deal with these things. And I don't know what you do, but here's what I do. And I do this every Sunday right there. All of a sudden, I go to Isaiah 41.10. And a lot of you know this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. For I am your God. Uh, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And what I'm doing when I'm praying, I'm here, and I got my hands out, and I'm just saying, God, I believe you at your word. You said you'd never leave me. You'll never forsake me. And then I make a step toward, toward God. And what I'm doing is walking away from this place of where I'm living in fear and walking into this place where I have faith, where I'm believing God. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. He says, I will help you. Yes, I will be there for you. And God has always been faithful. I, not that I've done perfect in anything, man. I'm not saying that at all. But to know that you take the step. I'm stepping out of my fear, my hang-ups, my insecurities. And I'm stepping into the authority, the power, and the position of Christ. Step out of your fear. And step into your faith. Listen, we walk by faith and not by sight, the Bible says. So you do what you can do. And you choose to trust God to do what only he can do. You do the credible and let God do the incredible. You do the believable and let God do the unbelievable. You do the ordinary and let God do the extraordinary. Let him do those great things. Why? Why? Because you have an unstoppable courage. The spirit of God is within you. You have an unstoppable courage within you. I close with this. Let me tell you who you are and what your worth is. You are worth the blood of Jesus. You are worth the blood of Jesus. I don't know your past. I don't want to know. I know mine is bad enough. And I was worth the blood of Jesus. He came into my life and he changed me. That's how special you are as well. Those of you who are believers, you have the same spirit inside of you that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says. And automatically you're victorious. You're victorious because of that same spirit in you. You're, you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of his testimony, the Bible says. You are blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. You are uh, empowered by the Spirit of God. You were planted right here in this moment of time of history because it was at this time that God knew that he could use you best to make a difference. You're not here by accident. By courage and with faith, you are to step into what it is that God has called you to do. And step out of yourself. Step out of yourself and step into the anointed of God. Why? Because I believe the path to your greatest potential is often straight through, straight through your greatest fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Stand with me, please. Stand with me. Our worship, our intercessors, please make your way down front. I'm going to ask you as we...
do our last and final song. So please wait until we're done. If it's an emergency and you need to go, feel free to go. But I'm going to ask you to have the full experience of our service. So would you please, um, when worship begins, if you would like prayer for anything, these men and women have been praying in another room for the last hour since service began for you and for the service. And they're ready to pray for whatever need you have. You don't need to be a member at Word of Life to be prayed for. So whatever you'd like prayer for, you can come down and they will pray with you. I challenge you today to give your life to Jesus. Let today be the day that that happens. Let's have our final song.